Welcome to our GSP Ace of the Day segment presented by DraftKings Tennis Fans. There are just two days left of the 2022 U.S. Open. Two days left of Grand Slam action this season. That makes now the perfect time to get in on the action. Test your knowledge as a tennis fan with our friends at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Of course, you go there today. Not only will you find all of your daily action on the things happening in New York, you can find all of the action happening at the Challenger and ITF levels as well. You can also place your futures bets on next year's slams. That's right, folks. It's never too early to start thinking about that 2023 Australian Open, French Open, Wimbledon. Is there any doubt right now that Novak Djokovic, if he can only play two slams a year, will be peaking in both Paris and London? Maybe now's the time to capitalize on the lower value given how far away those events are. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook today. You'll have every option available to you. Of course, if you bet $1 using our promo code AOD, you'll also get $100 in free bets. Perhaps that's the perfect allowance you are looking for to place a little sprinkle on those 2023 futures. Again, turn to the DraftKings Sportsbook today. Bet $1 using our promo code AOD. Get $100 in free bets. We are so excited to be working with DraftKings moving forward. Excited to bring you these Ace of the Day segments after this 2022 U.S. Open wraps as well, because it's always fun to dive into the countless events happening, not only at the tour level, but of course, across levels in the tennis world. With that said, again, just two days to go. At this U.S. Open, we've got two singles finals in front of us on the men's and women's side, of course. As always, tennis, I suppose, still believes in chivalry. Ladies first, it's going to be our women's singles final on Saturday. You have your top two players, not only in the 2022 points race, but now in the rankings as well. World number one, Iga Svantec, two-time major winner, of course. Both of those majors coming at the French Open. It's the only slam she had reached the final of prior to her run over the past two weeks in New York. Sviatek's dropped a couple of sets, was certainly tested against Arena Sabalenka in the semifinals, but Sviatek once again finds herself on the precipice of accomplishing special things early in her career. She would be the first player since Angie Kerber in 2017 to win two singles major titles in a calendar year. She would, of course, join that elite group, and I've referred more to the statistics this group has accomplished over on the mini break podcast feed where we recap every day of the 2022 U.S. Open. But Monica Seles, Martina Hingis, Serena Williams, Maria Sharapova, those are your four four players, four players. That's how you say that word. Those are your four players who have set the gold standard of what is possible for players age 21 years or younger. Celis, Hingis in particular, what they accomplished, I don't think will ever be matched as much as what they did came as teenagers. But certainly Serena, again, Sharapova put themselves in that conversation where so clearly generational talents early in their careers. And look, with Iga Sviantek having won 30 
37 consecutive matches, the longest streak since Hingis, I believe back in 1999, earlier this season with Iga in unequivocal world number one. I mean, I believe she has double the points of the next closest, Own Jabur, in the points race this season with her making three semifinals at the majors this year, an opportunity to capture again two major titles in a single season. She turned 21 years old earlier this year. Speaks to what a special talent Iga Svantec is, and I pontificated on this topic on yesterday's mini break podcast or wherever we recap the women's single semifinals. If Iga retired after this year, pulled an Ashley Barty, albeit even earlier, if she retired this season, would her resume qualify her for Hall of Fame status already? Can you not tell the story of the past two and a half years of professional tennis without mentioning the name Iga Svantec, which to me is the subjective qualification required to gain entrance into the Hall of Fame? I think the answer to that question might be yes. So to see Iga competing in another slam final, regardless of who is across the net, it's a special occasion. Uh, Of course, across the net from Iga is, again, a player who has ascended to the world number two ranking, a player who is now competing in a second consecutive major final after she reached the finals at Wimbledon just a few months ago, and a player who has been consistent as anyone not named Iga or Barty since August 2020. Of course, I'm referring to Own Jabur, who pretty efficiently took out the hottest player in women's tennis, Caroline Garcia, in the semifinals. And for Jabur, after an early struggle, and I don't want to even say struggle, she dropped the first set against Shelby Rogers, but looked pretty comfortable after that. Since that match, Jabur has advanced fairly comfortably through this 2022 U.S. Open, whether it was her victory over Kudermetova, overcoming, I believe, a 5-2 first set deficit, wins uh, subsequently over, uh, obviously, yesterday, she beats Caroline Garcia in straight sets, two definitive sets where she got up an early break in both sets, kind of coasted from there, of course. She beats a very much informed Isla Tomjanovic and, you know, sort of out-physicals her in the quarterfinals as well. Jabir dropped just one set on her way to this U.S. Open final. And Jabir, of course, has made five second weeks of the slams in the 10 majors that have happened since August 2020. And she's now into a second consecutive final. Again, she has proven herself to be an elite player. I mean, you quite, you qualify as she has for the second consecutive year for the tour finals. You're putting together a nice resume. And obviously, I want to get into that resume here on today's show. And more than anything else, I want to preview Day 13's matchup between these two unequivocal stars. Again, given all of the parody we've seen not only over the past year, but over the past five years, only, you know, not since Angie Kerber in 2017 as a player won two majors in a single season, but the parody we've seen in this era, yes, there have been flashes. Naomi Osaka on hard courts 2019, 20 or 1819 and 2021. You know, Bianca Andreescu's 2019 season and uh you look for certainly Sonia Kennan in 2021. Uh, you've had obviously the two big names, Iga and Barty. You've had a lot of flashes in the pan, and I do think Barty, Iga, more than flashes in the pan. You've had a lot of standout performances, but have we had defining players of this era of the WTA? Barty, Sviantek, yes. 
I don't think we have a clear answer. You know, outside of those two, I don't think anyone is an unequivocal yes. And with that framework in mind, that's what makes this final so fascinating. The fact that, again, given all the parity, it is the world number one versus the world number two. It is a player who is so clearly on the precipice of greatness against a player who has so clearly ascended to a level that was perhaps thought possible when she won a junior slam back when she was 17, 18. But given her slow ascendance into the top 50 of the WTA rankings, to see her make that breakthrough, sustain it the way she has over the past two and a half years in own Jabir, to see her, you know, again, set record after record for African female players and to become the first African player to reach the Wimbledon final, reach the U.S. Open final. She is, uh, you know, first Arab woman to do that as well. She's just a standard bearer for what is possible. She inspires another generation of tennis players, extends the reach of the sport. There's so much to admire about this final, so much to get excited about if you're a tennis fan. And of course, here on this show, I want to offer my pick, offer the tactical breakdown, offer the statistical differences, and look for value on the board via our friends at DraftKings. Now, I only have one pick for you here on day 13. It is a women's singles final, though, so I hope you all can forgive me for that single pick. But with that in mind, I suppose let's just get right into it. And spoiler alert, perhaps some of you will say, okay, I've heard your pick. That's all I need to hear. I'm taking Iga Sviantek to capture this 2022 U.S. Open title, to capture that third Grand Slam of her career, and to just continue to cement herself as the player of this generation to beat. Now, you look for Iga, and I have reiterated this theme, perhaps to some detriment on the Mini Break podcast feed, because I don't mean to diminish what she has accomplished by simply making another Grand Slam final, again, the third of her career before turning 21 years old, and she's 2-0 in finals to date, and now she's done it on two two surfaces and, you know, given her success on the hard courts at the start of her 37 match win streak, Indian Wells, Miami title wins, given the success she had in the juniors on the grass courts, you just feel like with a bigger sample size of matches, maybe she'll grow more comfortable on that surface. It just continues to cement why Iga Sviantek is such a dangerous and capable player. It's because even when she's not playing her best tennis, again, she's dropped two sets, two total sets on her way to this U.S. Open final, despite the fact that in all six of the matches she's played, she's hit more unforced errors than she has winners. And I pointed this out on the mini break. That's my last plug, I promise, but I just always apologize when I repeat myself. Set two against Arena Sabalenka, she was plus three in terms of her ratio of winners to unforced errors. 10 winners to 7 unforced errors. Set number 3, 11 winners to 11 unforced errors. That's the first two-set stretch of time throughout the course of Iga's time in New York where she's had a positive ratio slanting more towards winners than unforced errors. And it's indicative of the fact that I do think she is peaking at the right moment and that despite not playing her best, she has found ways to work herself into every match, whether that was against Julie Niemeyer in what was that? The round of 16 match where she dropped the opening set. Sviantek abandoned going big on her plus one ball and just decided to spread the court, give herself margin, start working Nehemiah into the outer thirds, make Nehemiah consistently have to hit on the run. And Sviantek just sort of systematically and you know, calmly broke Nehemiah down, pulls away in that match in three sets. And then, you know, against Jess Pagula, with all due respect, Pagula didn't really have a weapon to overwhelm 
Svantec with, and so Svantec was able to dictate a little bit more from the baseline. Her backhand looked exceptional, as it always does in that match against Jess Pagula. And then against Arena Sablanka, it was how physical she became. Down 4-2 in the third set, and even throughout the course of set number two, where she was just extending each rally, one extra ball two extra balls, dipping the first passing shot low enough at Sabalenka's feet that it guaranteed her a second look at the pass, and she is so effective in those two passing shot combinations. The first serve has not been particularly effective, despite the fact that she's been over 60% in all of her matches. It just doesn't have the pace, the effectiveness that it did during her French Open and that 37-match win streak runs. And the reason for that is because her first forehand is spraying on her. In not one of Iga's matches has she hit her first forehand comfortably from start to finish. And you can say, well, it's the balls they're using. It's the speed of this surface. In the case of the Sabalenka match, it was certainly the power with which Sabalenka hit at that and the heaviness of her ball getting into the body of Iga Sviantek. But Sviantek's missing basic approach shots. Sviantek is spraying on her inside-out forehand, just not creating the sort of angle she typically does to open up the backhand line or inside-in forehand combination for herself. That said, it's the totality of things Iga's been able to do moving forward, hitting the swinging volley. I know her shanked overhead winner for Love 40 up 5-4 in the third set against Sabalenka wasn't pretty, but it was certainly effective. And that's the key word I would use for Iga Sviantek. Even when not playing her best, she has continued to find ways to remain effective. And again, who are the two players who have given Iga the most trouble? Julie Niemeyer, Arena Sabalenka, both power-based players. I guess I'm starting with the tactics here. I just don't think that's the case for Own Jabur. I think Jabur does a great job of absorbing and redirecting heavy pace. In particular, we saw that against Caroline Garcia. Didn't matter that Garcia was taking those returns on the rise just by hitting that ball at the feet of Jabur. Jabur so comfortable shortening her backswing on either wing, forehand or backhand, and just redirecting that ball using your pace and hitting it to the open space on the court. And that was the thing she did so well. She had Garcia consistently on the run. And, you know, Caroline Garcia doesn't have the rally ball, doesn't have the 75% neutral pace, doesn't have the defensive skills of Iga Sviantek. Similarly, Caroline Garcia ranks 50th amongst top 50 players in return percentage. Iga Sviantek ranks first. And in 13 Arena Sabalenka service games yesterday, Sviantek broke seven times. That's over 50%. And by the way, that's the theme for Iga Sviantek. She's broken serve over 52% of the time this season. That ranks number one on the WTA Tour. The only other player I've ever seen eclipse 2020 for a full season was Simona Halep. And even that season was 2020, which technically shouldn't count as a full season as there are only, what, five abbreviated months of tennis. It's how special Iga is as a returner. And while she certainly hits a big ball, It's not a flat ball. It's not a heavy ball. You know, it's a heavier ball than the ball Garcia hits, than the ball Shelby Rogers hits, than the ball Kudermatova hits. That forehand just has so much action on it for Iga, and that ball is going to get into the body of Own Jabur. It's going to prevent her from playing the slice on the backhand wing because, again, the heaviness of that Iga Sviantek inside-out forehand – 
we've seen Rafa use his forehand to break down the Roger Federer slice. Just dealing with a heavy topspin ball and trying to slice it is one of the most difficult things to do on a tennis court. And so I do think to some extent that backhand slice for Jabir, which she loves to hit so much, is particularly neutralized in this match because A, Sviantek hits that inside-out forehand so heavy. B, you don't want to give Sviantek time on the backhand wing because her backhand is generationally talented as well. Her ability to drive that ball cross-court, short angle, take it down the line and redirect. That backhand is such a weapon, you're paralyzed when Iga's in the ad side of the court because you just never know where she's going to hit that ball next. Similarly, does Jabir have the same sort of overwhelming pace that a Sabalenka does, that to some extent Nehemiah does, to overwhelm that Iga Sviantek forehand and force her to spray and cause the errors to pile up or at least to accentuate the errors that seem to pile up no matter what match it is for Iga? To some extent, yes. I mean, when Owens lands the first serve, it's heavy. It's well-placed, but Owens has been about 50% or under on her first serves in a bunch of matches, and she's managed to skate by despite that fact. Now, again, no one punishes a second serve quite like Iga Sviantek, and so I do worry about that first per- serve percentage for Owens. That said, you look for Owens Jabir. Hold serve about two, about, excuse me, 1.2% less than Iga Sviantek, but it's worth noting she is, uh, Jabir ranks eighth in terms of first serve points, percentage of first serve points won amongst top 50 WTA players. Sviantek ranks 17th. Now, the big difference, Jabir ranks 42nd in first serve percentage, just how frequently she makes the first serve. Sviantek ranks 12th. Second serve win percentage, Sviantek ranks 6th. Jabir ranks again 42nd. It's not great. From an own Jabir perspective, that again, the second serve disparity between the two that Iga is particularly well suited to attack that second serve, which is a weakness for own Jabir because when a, an opponent attacks that second serve and in particular forces Jabir out of the center of the court, now she can't redirect, now she can't play her slice, now she has to be more defensive. Look, own Jabir, to her credit, and now we can get into the statistics, has beaten Iga Sviantek before, two and two in the career head-to-heads. And you look in those two matches, Jabir, a win in Cincinnati, 3-3 and last year. She also beat Sviantek in three sets in the Wimbledon round of 16 for Ego, win in Washington in three sets back in 2019. And then perhaps most notably, a 2-2 and win in the Rome final earlier this season. I think you can throw out all the results other than this year's because with all due respect, Iga Sviantek is a completely different player. And you look for Iga Sviantek now, just a remarkable and a laughable 46-7 and overall this season. She's winning 90% of her matches at age 21. Here are the players who win 90% of their matches in a season. Serena, Federer, Rafa, Djokovic, Graf, Selis, Navratilova, Hingis, and even Hingis, I think, was a little lighter. She might have been 89 or 88. That's the list. And Iga Sviantek is putting herself in contention for that list with her play this season. She's 15-1 and against top 20 opponents, 9-1 and against the top 10. She's lost more to opponents ranked outside the top 20 than she has inside the top 20. She wins 2 and 3% more return po- uh, percentage points, respectively, against higher-ranked opponents than she does lower-ranked opponents. I mean... 
You look for Iga overall now since uh, August of 2020. She's ridiculous. 101 and 25, winning over 80% of her matches over a two and a half year stretch. You look for her at the majors now, Shviantek, 50 and 12 overall in her career at the majors. 50 and 12 through her first 62 matches. She is winning over 80% of her matches at the majors, and she hasn't even turned 20. And she's been legally able to allowed to drink in the States since May of this year. You look for her this season again. Australia semifinals, Roland Garros title, U.S. Open, uh, excuse me, finals now as well. I mean, any time, and that's what, 7 plus 5 is 12, plus 2 is 14, plus 6. She hit the magic number. If you win 20 slam matches in a single season, it means you're competing at all four slams, or you're making extraordinarily deep runs at least at three of the four. That 20 number is the magic number. Only, again, that list of players I grouped earlier, Navratilova's, Graf's, Everett's, Serena's, you know, Djokovic, Federer, Nadal. That, that's the list of players that get to 20 major victories in a single season. Shows you how special Iga Sviantek has been. And again, how special she's been across levels against opponents. I can't emphasize that enough. 15-1 and one against the top 20 this season. For those curious, the next closest in top 20 wins is now is still Daria Kasakina with 9. So Sviantek's got 15. Kasakina's got 9. That's as big as the gap between Kasatkina's nine, ranked second, tied, by the way, with Anisimova, and 24th placed Kaya Kanepi and Serana Kirstea. That's how big the gap is in the disparity between one and two is the same as two and 24. You know, you look for Sviantek, she's 6-0 in finals this season. Jabir, to her credit, has also reached six finals, but Jabir, two and four overall in those six finals. And look, it's been a great year for Owens. She's now 44 and 13 overall this season, approaching that elite 80% number. And when you win over 80% of your matches, you have, depending on the context, maybe not always an all-time season, but it's a very, 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 very good season. And certainly a season that gets you qualifying for the year-end finals. It's a second Grand Slam final for her again. 10 second weeks at the slams, five second weeks, excuse me, in the last 10 slams. You look for her now 104 and 38 overall since August 2020. She's winning about 75% of her matches over a two and a half year stretch. You know, she's now 57 and 31 in her career at the Grand Slams. But again, you look for her in that August 2020 timeframe now owns Jabir 28 and 8 overall since August 2020 at the slams. It's pretty damn good. Again, that's damn. It's damn good versus generational. That's the problem for Own Jabur, and that she doesn't have a single overwhelming weapon to play on her terms with. So that regardless of what Iga is doing, the physicality, the plus one aggression Iga can play with, her willingness to move forward, change direction. What does Owns do to overwhelm that? Certainly, she'll throw in variety. She'll make Iga hit from uncomfortable spots on the court, but. Iga moves so well. Yeah, she'll be uncomfortable, but she'll be there. Again, Owens hits a good first serve, but she doesn't always make it the most frequently. And again, no one is better positioned to capitalize on second serves than Iga Sviantek. And Iga already beat her. 
two and two this season. She'll be ready for the variety. She'll be ready for the change of pace. I think there will certainly be nerves in this match. And that's why when looking at the board, if you want to take the over in games, over 20 and a half games, minus 145, 21 and a half games, minus 115, the over two and a half sets is plus 130. You know, I also think if you are concerned that Iga is going to get off to another slow start because she has gotten off to slow, slow starts, some slow starts. That's how you say that. Um, at this U.S. Open, Jabur to take the first set is a plus 145 proposition. If you want to take that, maybe Iga to take the second at minus 165. Jabur to win in straights, uh, excuse me, to win in three plus 425. Sviantek in three is plus 310. Her to win in straights plus 105. All of those make sense to me. But the wager I'm going with, my ace of the day, the best value I see, not her minus 185 money line, but let's take Sviantek minus two and a half games. A, you feel like there's not a world where Iga Sviantek gets blown out in a set. She just finds too many different ways to compete, whether it's scrapping out her own service games or more likely than not earning an additional service break throughout the course of a set. I just don't see her losing a set 6-1, even if she does lose a set in this match. B, if she wins the match, she should cover two and a half games. She's not winning this match 7-6, 3676. I just don't see that recipe in this matchup. I see, you know, maybe a 7 5 set, certainly, but I see like a, a 4 and 4, or maybe a 4 and 3, 4 and 2 victory where Iga finally starts to play her best tennis in that second set. I see Iga winning this match. And at minus two and a half games, you get minus 125 odds. That feels like a bargain. And so, again, she's a minus 185 money line favorite. That's just a little too much juice for my blood. But minus two and a half at minus 125, considering she's a 68.2% favorite, according to the Tennis Abstract Draft uh, Singles Forecast, Let's go with it. Let's take Sviantek. Minus two and a half games over Jabur. Minus 125. 1.25 units to win one in return. And then we get to have some really fun conversations about Iga uh, with her accomplishments here this season. So let's root for the narrative. And again, I just think the totality of things Iga can do can do more things to hurt Jabur than Jabur can vice versa. So, And I don't think Owens is playing definitively better where she'll be able to easily capitalize even on a slow start from Iga. So give me Iga, minus two and a half games over Jabur, minus 125, 1.25 units to win one in return. That is your ace of the day for day number 13. Now, of course, still got one show to go. And we will be back tomorrow to preview the men's singles final. Also, we're recapping every day over on the Mini Break podcast feed. You can find that on our website, CrackedRackets.com, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Of course, a shout-out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of this content possible. Shout-out, as well, to our friends at DraftKings. Remember, bet $1 using our promo code AOD. Get $100 in free bets. With that said, for our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at DraftKings, and for all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. May the odds be ever in your favor. Good luck, everyone. Thank you.